into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Our Lady Queen of Peace, Saint Joseph, Saint Michael, the first martyrs of Rome, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Can you all hear me? Yes. Chukwaren, Lai, Chukyen. I don't want to say the Cantonese. Mandarin is good enough. Oh, you're listening to your translation there? Yes. Oh. website mother of the unborn.com and on that website 
you will find my article in 12 different languages, including a very good translation into Chinese made by uh, a wonderful lady from Hong Kong. Okay? So you can read all this for yourselves. But the church's teaching on this is very clear. You can use such horrible vaccines when there's no other choice for a limited period for the protection of the most vulnerable. It treats these things as the same category as cannibalism. For example, if there's no food and you're starving, you know, and your grandmother pops her clogs, she kicks the bucket. Can you eat your grandmother? If you're desperate, you can, no one will blame you. No one will praise you, we will understand. Okay, she might be a tough old bird, but who knows? Need a slow cooker. Oh no, sorry, so disgusting. <laughs> okay, but it's in that same category using such vaccines. Something to be tolerated. It's something disgusting, but we tolerate it for the protection of the most vulnerable. We don't praise it. But the church says you must write to your government, to your pharmaceutical industry, to the health industry, and protest and say, stop doing this. We don't want such terrible medicines. Make proper vaccines, not with human babies. Okay? This is what we are all duty bound. Did you all? The last part is what you didn't hear, right? Because I'm sure your bishops and priests just said, yeah, take the vaccine, it's an act of blah, 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 blah. That's it. But they didn't say you, don't pro you must protest. If you don't protest, it'll carry on. They are still harvesting babies to this day. On your cards, you will find 12 of the most commonly used children. And what I did is I gave them names. Okay? Uh, actually, the idea is not mine. There was a Protestant group in England called the Center for Bioethical Reform. They named the baby girl behind COVID vaccines, they gave her a name, Johanna. Joanna, because she's from Holland, they gave her a nice Dutch name. I named the other 11. Now there are hundreds of thousands of these babies, but I picked the 12 most commonly used ones, misused ones, and I gave the names according to their culture and where they're from. Okay, so you will see that the last baby on the list is from China, and hers is a terrible story. She was oh, terrible. They deliberately delayed the mother's abortion so that she would be bigger, so her organs would be better sized and all that. And she was born alive. They made sure she was alive. They make sure all these babies are alive when they are harvested. Okay. But this is something we must stop. Are you all happy with that? That we must stop? Yes. We must stop this. Okay. Have you heard this? Yeah. Yes? 
No? Well, you see, any time with half a brain would think, well, I know parties which are way more fun. Or, you know, if you think the Eucharist is special bread, you think, well, Panatoni is special bread, not the Eucharist. We need to tell children the truth. The Mass is not a party. The Mass is worship in heaven. They're enjoying. The Eucharist is not special bread. The Eucharist is Jesus. Tell children the truth rather than dress up language. So, when I lapsed, I, I would have been very liberal, I think, because my head was filled with mush. I would have been for, uh, I don't know, women's ordination, that sort of thing, because I didn't know any better. Okay? You just think, oh, it's all about equality, you know, that your head is filled with mush and you, good intentions, and you're not going anywhere with this. Okay? But what happened was, I was converted by Medjugorje because in, uh, thank you, in Singapore, they had talks every week, every Saturday, and about 2,000 people would come and listen to this talk on a funny place in Yugoslavia called Medjugorje. No one knew how to pronounce it. And we would listen to this talk, and when I finally went to this 1988, December, that's where I received my conversion. November, sorry, November 19, 1988. When I listened to this talk about Medjugorje, what struck me was the way they spoke about the Eucharist. They said that this was really Jesus. Now, the, the thing is, as a Catholic, as a young Catholic, you know, I heard them all say this is the body of Jesus, it's the body of Christ, and I base my beliefs on how people behave in church. So I looked at all the grown-up Catholics, and I saw that you know they walk in front of the tabernacle, they don't bow, they don't genuflect, they take Jesus in their hands and drop him on the floor, and drop the crowns, they receive the Eucharist and sit down and yak to each other. So I thought, well, obviously it's not Jesus. No one actually believes it's Jesus, so you know we were just using metaphorical language when we say it's Jesus. So I base my beliefs on the behavior of other Catholics, which is a terrible thing to base anything on, okay? Because Catholics are awful, aren't they? No. <laughs> okay. Because uh, their behavior is terrible in church. Why do you think I speak before Mass every day? To shut you all up. You know, I used to just go, shh. Keep silence is a place of worship. And they all yank away. Oh, yeah. Great crack last night. Oh, yes. You know, she was on the table again. Herself was on the table, dancing and singing. No name ever. I'll be a one broker no more. You know, I just think, really? This is what they want to talk about? Come on. So that's why I began the catechesis in church before Mass. To keep us all quiet. To get us all more prayerful. So, when I heard about Medjugorje, it struck me that, gosh, I really did not know my faith. And I was angry. I thought, how come no one ever told me the faith properly? So I made a prayer to Jesus and I said, Lord Jesus, whatever else happens, make sure I never ever become a heretic again. And that's why he turned me into a Dominican. And not into a... <coughs> okay. Sorry, just coughing. <laughs> yes, Jesuit. <laughs> that's what I actually said. <laughs> Okay, because the faith is not worth messing around. We want the truth. We deserve the truth. We are hungry for the truth. Jesus is the truth. So we need Jesus. Now, in Singapore at the age of 18, I was drafted into the army. Every boy has to go into the army. I did two and a half years in infantry, doing all those things. I can fire a semi-automatic M16. I can shoot you in the head. 300 meters and never miss. Okay, I promise you. I, after, no, you doubt it? Oh, you're a duck. No. I'll give you a head start, 10 second head start. 20 seconds for you. You won't be running. Okay. Shh, shh. Can be, can be behind me. Shh. <laughs> no. Alright. So I did all that. Then I broke my spine in the army. And when I was back together and back on my feet a year later, I came to Medjugorje for the first time. It was 1991, September. I 
was 20 years old at the time. I was still in the army. Okay? Now, when we came at that time, we did everything that Father Slavko Babalich told us to do. Father Slavko is very important for the spirituality of Medjugorje. And as you read, you can see on that table where that young, lovely young lady is, a lot of his books and other books from the parish here. So please do have a look at them before you go. I recommend his books to you warmly. I had a hand in the second edition of the English translations for most of his books. And uh, I don't worry, I don't have any cut or royalties from this, okay? <laughs> anyway, all right. Father Slavko told me and Kevin, in our group from Singapore, there were only two young people, me, 20 years old, and Kevin, who was 19. He told us to keep climbing the mountains, so we did, because we had a lot of energy. So we climbed the mountains over and over again. On Tuesday, the 10th of September, at night, we went, I went to bed early, because we had to get up early to climb Cross Mountain. And I kept seeing at the foot of my bed a man standing there. He was matte black, as black as a priest's clerical shirt. And he, he didn't have a shirt on, he was matte black. He had a V-shaped torso, he was very muscular, very ripped, great definition, eight pack. You know, and all that. I know, I'm just basically describing my own torso. <laughs> okay. And he, was, he looked very strong. And he was clenching his fists on either side. He was angry. But he had the head of a bull, like a bull, with two tiny horns. But his eyes were human. They were forward-facing, and they were blood-red, and he was angry. So he, looked, he was looking at me, and I looked at him, and I thought, oh, for heaven's sake, you're imagining things. You become like one of those crazy people in Medjugorje, you know, you're just seeing things everywhere. Did you see things this morning in your breakfast, in her oatmeal? What did you see now? Patrick Pio and the and little flower. Okay. So, so I thought, I'm just imagining. So I closed my eyes. And then when I opened my eyes, he was still standing there. So I prayed the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel, like we prayed just now. And then I fell asleep. Okay. The next morning, Kevin came to get me at quarter to four in the morning, and he said he had been woken up by this grunting, three grunts, one outside the house, one outside his window, he was on the second floor, third grunt in the middle of his room, followed by a sinister laugh. So he told me what he had heard, I told him what I had seen, and we scared each other silly. Okay. And in those days, Mitchell was very dark, there was only one street lamp near the church, the rest of it was pitch black, we thought, why tempt fate? Why go through the dark vineyards and be attacked by a grunting minotaur? Okay. So while we were discussing these things, we said, hang on, Our Lady said, pray the Apostles' Creed and the devil is forced to run away from you. So we prayed the Creed. And as we prayed the Creed, a light appeared on this mountain behind me, where the cross is, on Krijalat's cross mountain. And the light was orange golden, and bright and beautiful and big and warm like a candle flame. When we, we walked towards it praying the rosary, when we got close enough, we saw what the light was. The light was in the shape of a young girl, of a young lass. I would say she was about 16. She stood with her hands, with the palms open on either side like this. She wore a very simple dress, much simpler than my habit. And she had a veil on her head which hung straight down. Okay? It did not go drooping, it went straight down. And she had narrow shoulders which were square. This detail I remember because I, re because I remember my exact thoughts. I looked at her and I thought, oh, you work out. Okay? <laughs> pretty strong. And then she, we felt no fear looking at this girl. If the devil had chosen to appear next to me at that moment, I would not have cared one bit. All I knew was I was looking at this beautiful young lass and I felt no fear of anything at all. We climbed the mountain so we could catch her at the top. And when we got to station 10 or 12, we looked out on the left. You can see Apparition Hill. Now today there is an aluminum crop, uh, sorry, there's a statue, a marble statue donated by the Koreans, marking where Our Lady appeared on the second day. In those days, it was a bare patch of ground. Everyone was taking soil from that place. And there was an aluminum cross marking the spot. And the same girl was standing there, facing the church, with her hands in the same position. So I realized we had picked the wrong mountain. 
but we climbed all the way to the top. Right at the top, there was a couple from Florida who were in their 60s, from Tallahassee, and they had seen nothing. We didn't tell them what we had seen, we just said very vaguely, we saw a strange light. We had no desire to talk about this, and also we could not talk about this at that time. We only spoke about this with each other for years before we told anyone else. Now, after we had taken some photos and said our prayers, we came down and went into the church. Now, the first Mass had just finished, the first Croatian Mass. So it was about half seven in the morning, I think, and the church was empty apart from three of us. Kevin, who was taking pictures of the stained glass windows, Father Petr Ljubicic, who is one of the Franciscans, the one who will reveal Mariana's secrets, he was there and he was watching Kevin, thinking, who is this strange Chinese dude and what is he up to? Kevin is Chinese, by the way. And then me, I went to stand facing the statue of Our Lady. And I wasn't praying, I was just thinking, who is this? What was that all about? Did I imagine it? Then again, Kevin saw her as well. Can two people imagine? It was in mass hysteria. Can you have just mass hysteria with two people? You know, I was just thinking about these random thoughts. And while I was thinking all this, the second half happened, which is a voice started to speak inside me, a woman's voice, spoken English, a very beautiful voice. And she began by telling me the story of my life to me from the age of zero to 20, which is how old I was then. As she did this, she told me, she pointed out many things that she saw as blessings where I would have been tempted to feel sorry for myself. Remember, I was still more or less a teenager. Teenagers often feel sorry for themselves. She pointed out lots of things were blessings. And while she did this, she also told me all of my sins, every single sin. And she did it kindly, gently, charitably. And as she told me my sins, she also told me things that I'd done which were good, but I'd done for the wrong reasons. So she would say, for example, do you remember when you did this? But you only did this to be praised or to be noticed. Okay? So even things like that, she would point out these failures in charity. She also, there was a great emphasis on sins of the tongue. Great emphasis on this. Gossiping, talking too much, uh, revealing things about people that should not be revealed, other people's business, uh, cutting people down to size, all these sorts of things are up there next to murder. They are serious, serious sins. Okay? Sins of the tongue. Great emphasis by her on such sins. Okay? Because, you know, if, you, if you're going to slander someone or gossip about them, you're, you're destroying their life, you're destroying their reputation. You might as well have killed them, but don't kill them. Okay? So sins of the tongue are right up there. They're terrible, terrible, terrible sins. Okay? Then, when she finished, she said, you are happy because you've seen me. And I knew it was the girl on the mountain. So I said, yes, I'm very happy. Who are you? And she said, I am your mother, the mother of God. I want you to tell everyone you meet that I am their mother and that I love them. Everything she said, she made me experience. Almost everything she said, she made me feel what she meant. When she said, I am their mother, she meant like she had physically given birth to every single one of you, like she was claiming you. When she said, and I love them, it's, she hugged my soul to show me how she loves you. Our lady loves you like this, like you are the only person in the whole universe, like there's no one else. You're the only child she has. This is how she looks at you. And she looks at you like you are absolutely wonderful, marvelous, beautiful, gorgeous, handsome, charming, witty, amazing, interesting, fantabulous. Okay, and again, I know I'm describing myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, but that's not the point. She loves you like this. This is how she looks at you. She, there's like an excitement in her to be speaking to you. Don't ask me why she is like this, but this is how she is, okay? Then, she said to me, because near the beginning of the conversation, I said all sorts of stupid things to her, like, oh, I can't wait to tell my family and friends about this. She said, do not begin to imagine that you deserve to see me. God gives grace as he chooses. So right at the beginning, she said, you don't deserve it. Shut up. Don't worry about it. Okay, that's my paraphrase. <laughs> then she said, the day will come when you will regret, regret ever having seen me. 
And I said, how can you say that? This is the best day of my life. And she said, the day will come when you will deny ever having seen me. Now when she said this like that, twice, I remember the prediction of Peter's denial. Remember how that goes? It doesn't work out too well. So I thought, rule of thumb is, quit while you're behind. So I didn't protest. And all of this came true as she said. Within three years of this, I was at medical school in England, and I was the only boy on campus who was bored. By everything that young people can get up to is boring compared to seeing Our Lady. And also everything that old people can get up to is also boring compared to Our Lady, to Our Lady, okay? So, and I thought, I can't enjoy anything, I can't live a normal life, I can't tell anyone I saw Our Lady, no one will believe me, and also I don't want to tell anyone. So I remember one day I said to her, I wish I'd never seen you. And when I said that, I thought, oh, it's happened exactly as she said, you know? And I thought there'll be a cock crowing outside like Judas. But I was in Yorkshire, so maybe there's a sheep bleating on the moors. Okay. Then in terms of denying seeing Our Lady, in England, lots of Catholics make fun of Medjugorje. Catholics. They say, make a forgery. Big deception, make a forgery instead of Medjugorje, okay? And I was such a coward because I wanted to be liked and accepted by them, I laughed with them and did not tell them the truth, okay? But Alina continued, she said, when you turn again, you must hold over to my son Jesus. And then she showed me the future of the church, a whole series of visions of the future of the church. Don't ask me why. They were all, apart from one, they were all marvelous things. And she said to me, you will forget much of this. And I said, no, I won't. And after the conversation, I promptly forgot. So I don't remember what I saw. I only remember the bad thing that I saw, which is this. A time is coming when almost every Catholic in the world, almost every Catholic, will turn away from Jesus just like that. Just like that. Led by their shepherds, they will turn away. They will say, we don't want to know, we, that doesn't apply to us, we don't care, uh, we're too advanced, we're too sophisticated for that, we move beyond. They will say all these sorts of things. And they will turn away from Jesus just like that. It is a horrible, horrible thing. Very few Catholics will remain faithful. And the faithful ones will be persecuted by the other Catholics. The others will make it difficult for the faithful to go to work, to go to school, to go to the shops to live, to function, they will make it almost impossible, almost impossible. And it is such a horrible, horrible thing, the horrible, the horridness of it all is, I think for me, is especially the leaders, the shepherds, to lead the people astray. So when I saw this, I said to our lady, I said, Blessed Mother, please let my parents die before this happens. Now I've been telling this story for a few years, well, my parents were still alive, they never knew about this. Now, my father died a year and a half ago, and my mother died a couple of weeks ago. So, now they know, they both know uh, what this is about, okay? But, I did not want them to see such a horrible thing. Then, I told Our Lady all of my problems, and she told me to give your heart to Jesus, pray with the first day, Surrender your life to Jesus. Now, this is not the answer I wanted, but it is the actual answer. So those of you who are asking me for prayers, this is the answer to your prayers. Give your heart to Jesus. Pray over the third day. Surrender your life to Jesus. This is the answer to all your prayers. I'm telling you the answer already now. Okay? And then, I, I said a lot of foolish things. Oh yes, I was trying to think, how, how can I see Our Lady again? So I said to her, Blessed Mother, I'd very much like to die now, please. Because I thought it would be marvelous. I could drop dead in the church and go with her. She's so beautiful. Why waste time getting old, right? And she said to me, Would you not like to live a bit longer to help me? And when she said a bit longer, I knew she meant anything from nine days to ninety years. And also a question like that, I know, I knew you have to say yes, but I was reluctant because I wanted to go with her. So I said very reluctantly, I said, all right then, but you better make sure it's worth my while. And when I said that, she laughed. And she has a beautiful laugh. Um, our lady's laugh 
is like a clear, like a bell ringing that drives out the cobwebs in your soul. I don't know how else to describe this, okay? But a beautiful laugh. And when she laughed, I knew I shouldn't have said that, and after that she took control of the whole conversation, okay? Do you remember, you know, the mothers here, you remember when your children were young and they were telling your business to the whole neighborhood? Oh, my family says my daddy drinks like a fish. And she, she could hit him on the head with the bottles. Do you remember? Yeah. Okay. So it was a bit like that, like a mother with a foolish child. She took control of the whole conversation and she did the talking after that point. Then she told me, you will never enjoy the support of your own, but you will never lack friends with a real devotion to me, among those with a real devotion to me. She told me, she asked me, are you willing to suffer for my son Jesus? I said, yes. And she told me where my greatest suffering would come from. And then, near the end, she told me not to go looking for her, but that she would come for me when I am dying. Okay, now this is not guaranteed. This is if I live a good life, she will come for me when I'm dying. All right? And then the conversation stopped. It just fizzled out. Now, I hope none of you has come here to listen to Father Leon about my story, okay? You don't know me from Adam. I could be making up this story. Maybe I'm making it up to, I don't know, to have spiritual power over you. Maybe I'm making it up because I told this story drunkenly in a pub one day and I'm stuck with it now and I keep repeating it. Maybe I'm telling this story to get rich, to get money off you. Don't forget, 9.99 on your way out. Um, maybe I'm evil and trying to destroy the Catholic Church from within with stupid stories like this. Okay? Any of these reasons could be true. So if you don't believe me, I don't care. Are you happy with that? Yes. I believe. We must believe Jesus, believe the Catholic faith. Believe Jesus, believe the Catholic faith. Get a catechism. Make sure you know the catechism. That's the Catholic faith. Okay? But if you don't believe me, I don't care. As I tell the pilgrims, I don't care Italian style, like this. <laughs> I, I could not care less. Okay? Manfredo. Okay. Now, please believe. I ask you to believe that our lady loves you. Because she asked me to tell you. Tell everyone you meet that I am their mother and that I love them. She loves you. We must respond to this love, okay? Now, now that I've told you that, I've softened you up, I want to tell you the most important things, which are our ladies' messages here. They are summarized as the five stones. Why are they called five stones? Because of David, the shepherd boy, he goes to meet Goliath with a slingshot and five stones. The clue is in the title, yeah, okay. Now, these are weapons our lady gives us. The first weapon is the rosary. Here in Medjugorje, the villagers were praying seven our fathers, seven Hail Marys, seven Glory Bees every evening as a thanksgiving for the apparitions. They still do it. You know, at the end of the evening mass, you listen, they're praying the sevens, as they call them. And they pray the Apostles' Creed and then the sevens. Our lady said to them, I want you to pray the rosary. So they started praying one third of the rosary. This is one third of the rosary. Joyful, or sorrowful, or glorious. Luminous were not invented yet, okay? And then, after a while, she said, that's marvelous, I'd like you to pray the complete rosary. This one, the one that she gave to St. Dominic more than 800 years ago. And when she asked for the complete rosary, the villagers protested. They said, what, this is impossible, we don't have the time, this is crazy. You have to remember, for them, this was, they were working very hard. There was very, there wasn't running water, they had wells. They had to draw the well water and go and water the tobacco plants that the communist government was making them grow. Okay? So it was backbreaking work. And she asked for the complete rosary. And when they complained, she said, you do not understand what little time this takes up of your day. What did she mean by that? The rosary. One third of the rosary should take you 15 minutes minimum, one five. Why do you say minimum? 
Because in Singapore, we used to rush through the rosary, rush through it. We used to jokingly say, let's pray at Irish speed. Okay? Those of you who pray the rosary in Ireland, you'll know what I mean. Okay. Why? I remember this Buddhist man, a friend of ours, he said, you Catholics, you're such weirdos. What is so blessed about a monk swimming? And I thought, what is he talking about? What is he on about? It's only when we pray the rosary we understood. Yeah, miracle grace loves to be blessed monks swimming. <laughs> There's nothing blessed about monks swimming. Okay? Slow down, slow down. So at least 15 minutes, slow down. Now, how many 15 minutes of your time do you waste on Instagram? That's those of you trying to find a date. TikTok, that's teenage girls with mental problems. Facebook, that's for the elderly. <laughs> okay, uh, what else is there? Days of our lives, EastEnders, Coronation Street, General Hospital. Okay. Who's watched the movie Titanic? Who's watched Titanic? Come on, be honest. Okay. Three and a half hours of your life completely wasted. Yeah, because what happens, remember? Kate Winslet, she despairs, she thinks Leonardo is dead, they're on the door, and she shuts him off, and he sinks down and she kills him for no reason. Because remember, with hypothermia, the rule is, any doctor can tell you, the rule is you're not dead till you're warm and dead. So you have to bring him to the hospital and warm him up, and if he's still dead then, then he's dead properly. So, but she despaired, she kills him early for no reason, and then she's singing, Oh, my heart will go on. Of course it goes on, you dozy bait. You kill him. You kill him for no reason. You mad thing. Okay. Now, and of course then, no wonder she turns in, when she's, uh, she's old, she goes mad and she throws her diamond necklace into the, into the sea. It all began years before, when she killed her beloved. Okay. Now, I, I've never seen Titanic, but I, I know enough to try and spoil it for you. I don't want anyone here to waste their time on such nonsense. I used to think it was fornication on the high seas, then someone told me the girl was actually married to someone else. So it's adultery on the high seas. Why are you watching such tribe? And when I say tribe, I mean an Irish word that rhymes with might. Why are you watching such tribe? Absolute nonsense. Adultery on the high seas. Three and a half hours. Marvelous. Okay. Don't waste your life. Fifteen minutes in the morning, joyful mysteries. Fifteen minutes in the afternoon, sorrowful mysteries. Fifteen in the evening, glorious mysteries. Can you all pray the complete rosary as Our Lady asks? Can you? Yes. Of course you can. If you say no, it's because you're a liar. Okay? You're a liar if you say no. <laughs> but all of you can pray the complete rosary. All of you. Our Blessed Mother is asking us. And she, remember what she said a few days ago to Ivanka? I need your prayers. She needs our prayer and our fasting to convert people. Without our prayers, she cannot do this. Okay? Our Blessed Mother is asking for this. Then, also remember the rosary during exorcisms. What did the demons say? We hate that dung. They use a different word. We hate that dung. But they say, thankfully, most priests do not promote it. Every Hail Mary you say is a hammer blow to Satan's head. It is powerful. The demons hate it. They're always trying to destroy it. Pray it. Take your rosary. Make sure you have a rosary. Keep your rosary with you. All the men folk here, keep your rosary on you, not in your wife's handbag. Keep it on your person. Always. Never leave home without it. Forget about American Express. <laughs> the rosary is what you need. Never leave home without it. Okay? Now, the second stone is Holy Mass. Our Lady says, understand the importance of Holy Mass. Prepare your hearts to receive Jesus, your Savior. Go early to Mass. Prepare with silence before Mass. Never leave Mass without making your thanksgiving. Okay. Now, here, one of the visionaries was on her way to Mass. She got stopped by the pilgrims to answer the questions. And our lady scolded her later and said, you would have done better to go straight to Mass and not waste your time chit-chatting. Okay? So if you find me running away from you, it's because I'm not, I don't want to waste time chit-chatting. Okay? 
because I really need something me elsewhere. <laughs> All right. Go to Mass. Treasure the Mass. The Mass is the highlight of your day. Everything else from today onwards is downhill. Are you happy with that? It's true. Unless you go to Mass again in the evening. Unless you go to the Mass in the evening, that's the second highlight. Second the second high point of your day, okay? When you go to Mass again. Now, treasure the Mass. Because you're receiving Jesus. Why would you not want to receive Jesus? Why? Treasure the Mass while you still have it. The Antichrist, when he comes, he will take the Mass away from you again for a time, two times, and half the time, as it says in the prophecy of Daniel. For three and a half years, treasure the Mass while you still have it. Okay? Then, the third story is Holy Bible. I mean, he says, read the Bible. I want you to read it every day. Let even the little children read from it. Read especially the Gospels, rooted in your heart, and live by it. Now, I'm going to ask you, all the women here, if you were dating or being courted or whatever it is, and your beloved said to you, you know, I really love you, but I don't want to know anything about you. Just shut up, don't tell me anything about you, just let me love you. Would you look at this fella and think, he's a few sannies shy of a picnic? Would you say to him, welcome to Dumpsville, population, you? Yes, you should. No one knows this kind of insanity in their lives, right? How can someone love you if they don't want to know you? Right? Do you agree with me, ladies? Yes, I do. You know, Rick, some of you are reluctant. Like some of the ladies are like, no, Father, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> no one needs this kind of madness. Okay? Shuji, now, St. Jerome tells us, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Should Jesus believe that we love him if we never read the Bible? Should Jesus believe us? Out of your own mouths you are condemned. Of course he shouldn't. So read the Bible, read the Gospels, okay? Now people often ask me what is the best Bible to get. Actually, recently I found a decent one here in Medjugorje itself. It is expensive here, but it might be cheaper for you back home. It's called the New Catholic Bible, NCB. And it's a good translation. It's a decent translation. The ones we use for Mass are terrible. The ones in England and Ireland, the Jerusalem Bible is awful. I could appreciate it if I had a full frontal lobotomy, then I'd be able to appreciate that one. But the ones in America, the New American Bible, it's like it's written by a Monsignor who's in the process of losing his faith. Please, it's terrible, terrible translations. Okay, but the New Catholic Bible, I recommend that. One of the ways I check a Bible is I look up Luke chapter 1. How does the angel Gabriel greet Our Lady? And if it doesn't say, Hail full of grace, I throw it away. Okay? So that's one way I pick a Bible. How the angel greets Our Lady. Hail full of grace. Okay, that's good. Alright? New Catholic Bible. Will you remember that? Good. And tell other people. Now, back in my monastery in London, uh, one of my friends, he was coming to lunch, he happens to be a Protestant, and he was a bit early, I was upstairs, I was in the shower, I didn't hear him, so he, he rang the bell and he sent me a message, on, a text message saying, Revelation chapter 3 verse 17, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear me, I will enter and I will dine with him. So I came out and I saw that message and I thought, I'm going to show this Protestant, we Catholics know the Bible just as well. So I sent him a message, Genesis chapter 3, verse 12 or something. Behold, I heard the sound of thy voice in the garden, but I was afraid and hid myself because I was naked. <laughs> okay. Now, we are not in a competition with Protestants, but think about how the Protestants, they have such devotion to the Bible, and they don't even have the complete Bible. You know, because of their madman, Martin Luther, he chopped out seven books of the Bible and parts of two others and threw them out. We have the complete Bible. Treasure it. Read it. Treasure it. Okay? The fourth story is fasting. Our Lady says, you have forgotten fasting. With fasting you can stop wars and work miracles. The best fast is on bread and water. I want you to fast strictly on Wednesdays and Fridays. 
Now, on, on, remember what she said in Fatima. Today, more souls go to hell because not enough dead people pray and make sacrifices for them. Also, Jesus tells us, when I am taken away, my disciples will fast. He doesn't say my disciples will think about fasting. He says my disciples will fast. He also says some kind of demons cannot come out except through prayer and fasting. The demons of addiction, alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography, video games, these kind of demons need prayer and fasting to be free. Okay, sorry, someone said something? Is it any type of bread? Okay, now, what kind of bread? Anything that is bread, which is not cake. Any kind of water, which is not gin or vodka. Okay? And then they ask, how long do I have to fast on Wednesday and Friday? 24 hours, so long as it's Wednesday, so long as it's Friday. And how long do you have to keep this up? Not long, only until you die. Okay? So don't worry about it. Now, why Wednesday and Friday? Well, this is a fast Our Lady herself did. We know this, there's a document called the Didache, written in AD 50, where it says, you shall fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesday because it's the day of the betrayal by Judas, Spy Wednesday. Friday because of the day of the Lord's Passion and Death, Good Friday. Okay? So because of these two days, early, the earliest Christians fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays. To this day, all the Orthodox and Eastern Catholics fast Wednesday and Friday. We used to, but we forgot. We forgot. Those of you who speak Irish, anyone here speak Irish? Remember the days of the week. Okay, are you from the Goyal Sabbath? No? Okay. But, okay. <laughs> so remember, Wednesday, Jacadi, day of the first fast. Friday, Tahinia, originally Tahinia Deethan, day of the last fast. And if you fast Wednesday and Friday, Thursdays are so important because you can eat on Thursdays. Jardi, the day between the two fasts. Okay? So the memory of that is in Irish, but we ourselves have forgotten the fast. But our lady is inviting us to take it back. If you fast, your spiritual life will take off. You will see miracles and conversions around you if you fast. Okay? Those of you who are going to ask me for prayers, I will just tell you, go and fast. Especially today, Friday. Today's Friday, fasting day. Okay. Now remember, in, uh, in the old days, we used to not eat meat on Fridays. And then about 10 years ago, the English bishops brought this back. You know, and said, okay, fine, we don't eat meat on Fridays. I'm glad they did that, but it's a bit late. It's like shutting the barn door after the horse is bolted. But it's the minimum the church asked us for was not eating meat on Friday. The minimum. Catholic fasting, today's a fast day. We have to fast. Every single one of us here is obliged to fast, to do something. Some of you are sick, you can't fast properly, but you're still obliged to do something, to make a sacrifice. Did you know that? No. Did you not know that? No. How did you not know that? No, we don't. Your priest should be telling you these sort of things. Yes? But today is the day of the Lord's Passion. So remember, when you fast, all sorts of things will happen, beautiful things. So I beg you, pray for the grace to be able to fast, and then do it. Get on with it. Maybe ease yourself into it slowly. But all of you are capable. I know all of you are capable. Because the day will come very soon now, when you all fast, when it's no longer your choice. You will not have a say in it but you will be made to fast, okay? And it will be a terrible day. It's coming already. Then, the last stone, last but not least, is confession. Our Lady says, I want, you have forgotten confession, I want you to go to confession once a month. If people go once a month, whole regions of the West will be converted. Confess all your sins, humbly, contritely. Do not deliberately hide anything. Once you have confessed your sins, they are behind you. Do not look back at them. Look ahead to Jesus. Walk to him alone. Okay. How to make a good confession? Remember a short sentence with three words, and you'll make a fantastic confession. The sentence is, confess your sins. Confess your sins. Full stop. And if you remember that short sentence, you will make fantastic confession. The first word, confess. It must be a confession. If you go to the priest and say, Father, maybe I did this, maybe I did that, I would say, maybe I saw you, maybe I don't. What is it? Did you do it? Did you not? It must be a confession. 
Second word, confess your sins. They must be yours. Father, my wife is terrible. She's awful. Her voice is like a box of rocks. It grates on me. I wish I'd looked at her mother properly before I married her. I'm speaking of that witch, my mother-in-law. Oh, I hate her. She's horrible. Okay. If you want to confess other people's sins, fine. I will absorb them. They'll go to heaven. You'll go to hell. But thank God you're there to confess for them. Remember, life is too short. Confess your sins. Third word. Confess your sins. They must be sins. Do not confess emotions, feelings, sentiments. Confess actual sins. Facts, not feelings. Okay? Is that clear? Yes. Then, remember, resist the temptation to do mad things like saying to the priest, Father, I haven't been to confession in seven years, I have no sins. If you say this to the Franciscans, they will say, Jesus, it's you. Welcome back. It's the end of the world. If you say to me, I will say, I want to canonize you, by which I mean, I want to put you in a cannon and launch you far away. Far, far away. What does the Bible say about this? First letter of John, chapter 5. If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us, and we make God out to be a liar. Okay? So, honestly, those of you who say you have no sins, and there are quite a number of you who do that, it's because you're lousy and confessing. If I go skiing every seven years, am I going to be the world's greatest skier? No. In the same way, if you don't go to confession regularly, you will be lousy at confessing. You will say stupid and or bad things, like, I have no sins, Father. Okay, all I have to do is line up your family on the other side and look in their eyes and I will tell you all of your sins. You want me to do that? <laughs> it's very easy. You just have to look at the suffering in your family's eyes and I'll tell you your sins. Okay. Now, what else about confession? Do not be afraid of confession. You know, if shame did not stop us sinning, shame should not stop us confessing. Also, don't think that the priests remember your sins. We're not interested. We don't care. I'm not interested in your sins. You're there to confess to Jesus. I'm there to give you his forgiveness. Oh, people do this to me all the time. They say this thing. I find it very irritating. They say, Father, as I said to you yesterday, and I look at them and think, I've never seen you in my life. I do not remember you, so don't assume that I remember what you said yesterday. Okay? And I promise you, this is not just my inverse racism, where I think that all white people look the same. We all have the same face. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being racist now. I hear you're racist now, Father. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, also, no time for racism. Please, have nothing to do with Black Lives Matter and critical race theory, as though now we're all allowed to be racist to white people. Absolute nonsense. There's only one race, the human race. Forget all these nonsense. These people who are trying to divide you and make you fight against each other. Ignore them. Look only at Jesus. Okay? Uh, okay, so that's confession. Now it's time for my last gift. This is Our Lady gave her life story here in Medjugorje to the visionaries. One day it will be published when she gives permission. She hasn't yet. People were impatient and they said, well, okay, well, can we read something else? And they said, ask Our Lady about this book. There's an Italian mystic who wrote during World War II called Maria Valtorta. And her book is called The Poem of the Man-God. The new title is The Gospel as Revealed to Me. Now, when they asked her about this, Our Lady said, whoever wishes to know and love Jesus better may read that book. That book is the truth. Now, as soon as I heard about this back in the 1980s, and as soon as I got my copy of my hands on a copy of this book, I have been reading it every night since January 1989. I read one or two chapters. Each chapter is about three or four pages. It's very short. And I read a chapter at night, and I love this book. The original edition came in five fat volumes. Now it comes in ten paperback volumes, bigger print, uh, that sort of thing, okay? Now, you, you can get a copy of this yourselves, or I'm offering it to all of you for free, electronically, electronically. 
Okay? Now, those of you in married pilgrimages, I see a lot of married pilgrimage lanyards. Your guides have the books, they may pass it to you through WhatsApp. Uh, it seems to be the best way to pass it to all of you. Okay? Those of you who are not in those groups, or if you haven't got it, all the Croatian guides have a copy of this book to give it to you. So just, if you're not in one of those groups, go and give your, find your lead, and just one of you give your number to, to the Croatian guides, and then they will pass it to you, and then you pass it to the rest of your group. So the people from Hong Kong, also, I don't know, you have a Croatian guide? Yeah. Yeah. They should have, they should have the book and pass it to you as well. Okay? I warmly recommend this book to you. It is absolutely beautiful. There's so many things in it that cannot be explained. You will come to know all the characters, well, Jesus and Our Lady, the Apostles, the female disciples, all sorts of things. It's so beautiful. I warmly, warmly recommend this to you. And uh, honestly, the only thing I want to do from now until I die is to work on a decent edition of the English translation, which I am secretly working on, you know, with maps and footnotes and all sorts of things to show you. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it so much. I wish I could just do that, but I can't for the time being. Okay? There's so many things in it. Shall I give you one example? When they crucified Jesus, the right hand, they nailed him through the wrist, the space of this. So it cuts the median nerve, and his fingers curl up like this, which is what you get when you cut the median nerve. But she describes this. I don't know how she could know this. The other hand, the left hand, the hole in the wood is too far away, so they deliberately they tie ropes and dislocate Jesus' shoulder to try and reach the wood, the hole, but they can't. And then they give up and nail him through the palm. And his fingers curl up like this which is exactly what you get when you cut the ulna nerve. You know, and then the toes, the toes spasm like this, which is also what you, what happens when you transect the foot, the plantar uh, surface of the foot like that. You know, and, and also I'm describing the medical things. She describes villages that were discovered long after she wrote. They were discovered archaeologically. She, she seems to acknowledge all sorts of things. Even the wise men, the Magi, you know the message that the Magi read in the stars? I'm in communication with an Italian professor. Okay, and in Maria Bautota, she the Magi tell our lady that they were looking at conjunctions of stars and counting the number of days between. And the number signifies a word in Hebrew. Okay, this, this has been going on for thousands of years. The, the, the Jews have these books called of Gematria, where every number represents a word or a phrase. And they even had these books in Babylon. So without me knowing this man in Italy, he sent me a list of Hebrew words. And I didn't even know the context, I just translated the words. And it actually turns into a sentence. And the sentence is, this is what the Magians saw in the stars. My God, my God has come. Messiah to be has come to, the, to the, the secret place in the cave of the sacred assembly. The sacred assembly is Israel. Born of a most pure lady, God himself has done this. So that was a message you know, I translated it, saying that I had no idea what it was about. And then he tells me that this is, this is from the stars. Because he used you know, modern computer programs, counted the number of days between conjunctions. And it actually spells out a message. Messiah to be has come into the world. It's extraordinary. But anyway, that's in Maria Valtorta. All of these things. Okay, but I, I'm, like I said, I'm offering it to you electronically. Don't, don't think I've printed copies of the book to hand out. Okay, but electronically to all of you through your leaders. Okay, so I want to recommend that to you. Now let's just pray. We'll close our eyes and pray five Hail Marys for the work of the bishop and all those here in Medjugorje and Pastoral Ministry. Hail Mary.
Oh, I'm 